Hello, 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 and welcome to a brand new episode of the Scary Stuff Podcast. This is Eric Dellinger, joined by co-host Nick Leamy. Hey, everybody, how you doing? And Jacob Jones Goldstein. What's up? How's everybody doing tonight? Doing great. Talking about horror movies, I'm always great. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm always excited to talk horror movies as well, but we're still doing that this time, but we're doing a little bit more than that, because this is our special tie-in episode for an upcoming anthology, Haunted Reels. Woo! Yay! I, I also like horror books too. <laughs> <laughs> I had in my notes, it was like, you know, this is not really a shameless product placement edition of the Scary Stuff podcast because nobody's paying us for this. So it's purely a shameless enthusiasm episode of the Scary Stuff podcast. <laughs> Wait, people pay podcasts for things? Uh, supposedly. <laughs> News to me. I'm willing. If anybody out there is looking to, to do that, I have made it clear on many occasions I'm willing to debase myself to be a mascot for any appropriate product. (laughs) (laughs) But no, this is something we've been very excited about. We've been planning on doing this, doing something for the book ever since it was announced. It's the sort of thing I wish we could do more often, but just with schedules and personal lives and everything, it just makes it tricky. But, you know, it's... Yeah, I worry sometimes I come across as kind of shilly on the pod, and particularly on social media. I have a, get anxious about trying to articulate myself in a tweet, so it's normally it's it's just the enthusiasm part that comes through. But not to sound like a broken record, like I said, we wish we could do this for a lot of books, but absolutely, we, we've said time and time again, the work of Rustic Films means an awful lot to us, but also. We think a lot of Dave, yep. who's Dave Lawson Jr., who's curating this anthology. Quality individual. He's our favorite person. Technically, that's Mike Flanagan. That's Mike Flanagan. <laughs> yes, yes. That's Mike Flanagan. Only when you say it in the voice is it Mike Flanagan. Oh, no, wait, wait, wait. So Mike Flanagan is favorite human. So He's our favorite human. So Dave is, yeah, we can copyright both of those as legally distinct. Person <laughs> and human. So. Dave has been on the pod five times. Mike Flanagan is zero. So like, I'm giving Dave the edge here. Although Flanagan has retweeted us. so I, I feel like you threw the hat down. And now Flanagan's going to agree to see us. He's, and the first thing he's going to do is be like, all right, let's get started. Mike, welcome. He's gonna be like, fuck you. And he's going to click off. <laughs> that would be the most perfect episode of the Scary Stuff podcast of all time. <laughs> Yeah, you can get the context on why we're doing bye-bye birdie jokes with Mike Flanagan on any of our previous Mike Flanagan episodes. So hopefully there won't be too many left-field references in this episode. But yeah, you mentioned this is going to be Dave's fifth appearance on our podcast. So before we get too far in, want to just throw it over to the chat with Dave? Yep, let's get into let's it. Do it. I am very delighted to welcome our next guest back to the pod and our first inductee into our own version of the Five Timers Club. In the past, we've had the pleasure of discussing his work with Rustic Films and their ethos of make movies with friends, but now he's expanding into curating stories by friends, and we're very excited to talk about it. So please join me in welcoming one of our absolute favorite people and a very dirty handboy, David Lawson Jr. Yay! Is this, I mean, is this the fifth time? Is this fifth time? I mean, SNL gives out jackets. But... <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. <laughs> I did get a nice birthday card, so I guess I guess that was I was checking if that was still a thing. Like I remembered the initial SNL short about that from like way back when, but I guess uh, Oh no, they they still do it. That's cool. I didn't I don't think I've been on any podcast five times. 
I think after the first time, they're like, enough talk about how you want to become a postal worker. (laughs) (laughs) I I did another podcast where I talked several times about how I was quitting movies and just going to start working in the post office. That's awesome. I was going to mention that. that, It doesn't seem so bad, though, you know? That's what I said. That's the point Dave made. There's yeah. a lot of walking and sorting. It's perfect. You know, I have a friend who's a mailman. He's like, yeah, this is great. There's occasionally a dog. But other than that, I listen to podcasts. I'm left alone all day. I'm like, come on, man. Stop taunting me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to mention that was the the June 26th episode of Making Movies is Hard. And I really want people to go check out that discussion. It's a really fun chat. The Trash is Overflowing Diddy makes a return appearance, which is awesome. And yet you spend a lot of time talking about your potential of becoming a postman but it's for one of the things we're going to talk about in this discussion it's like you're already well on your way to becoming a crypt keeper-esque you know <laughs> curator of horror so yeah you, you've already got a backup yeah yeah i'm all set i'm all set i have a whole list here of of pitch if you want to see my concept art for the ham fiend as a ham fiend i don't think i don't think uh for anybody that's curious about the ham jokes i did a uh i'm the mayor of the chattanooga film festival and uh uh, we did a fundraiser last year, and it involved me getting hit with lots of pie. So many pies that we instead decided to make a giant pie. And then also somehow a piece of ham got added into it. Because <laughs> I really love ham steaks. <laughs> I ate like 30 of them during the shooting of After Midnight. Because there's this place called Wolf And I would go get a ham steak every morning. Like, Jeremy and Bria would stop by because they knew I was going to be at Wolfie's like an hour and a half before a call and just like hang out. Because I would be eating ham steak and some fried okra. Ooh, that sounds pretty damn good. Fried okra, yeah, it's delicious. It was like a, it was like it sounds yummy. Oh, such a brilliant greasy spoon thing right around the corner from the hotel we were staying in. So the South does breakfast so much better than anybody else. I I just think it's they don't care. It's like we're just gonna let's just get this day started with a coma, <laughs> <laughs> like you do, like you do. Yeah, if you ever want to lean into the ham thing and the crypt keeper thing, I got a whole honey baked horror. <laughs> uh, black forest bestiary i really do love ham like we don't do turkey at thanksgiving at our house i go and get a honey baked ham oh perfect <laughs> i oh so delicious then you make bean soup is this what we were going to talk about on the podcast? <laughs> absolutely <laughs> i got all kinds of things we could do with uh leftover ham so like if we want to talk about that <laughs> yeah and i absolutely recommend people check out that episode of Making movies is hard. I also, I was hoping you would put a shirt on the rustic film shop of one of your quotes from that, which was anything's a possibility when you're stupid. (laughs) (laughs) When I listened, when I listened back to that episode, I was like, I was like, that is maybe the most uh, accurate and stupid thing I've ever said. Like simultaneously, (laughs) I I mean, like it's all fucking possible when you're just like, I I guess, yeah, let's do it. But yeah, we've been seeing a lot of you. That podcast appearance was great. We talked earlier. If if you didn't get the ham references, then you absolutely need to attend the Chattanooga Film Fest next year. You did the Rustic Screenplay competition there. You just had the COVID on film panel at Access Horror, which was terrific. So been seeing a lot of it. So we're delighted to be able to talk to you today about your very first anthology you're curating, Haunted Reels. Yay! Yeah, it's really, it's it's kind of surreal. It's funny on, on my other monitor here, if you see me looking off, I have the the BTS just got sent to me right before we did this of all the interviews that we did on Thursday with all the authors oh, nice. that were here in LA. It was also the first time I've ever interviewed anyone ah. uh, being on the other side of this. Oh. And especially like everybody that's included in this book and especially everybody that was here in LA that was able to take, I just think it was 
18 or 20 of the authors representing 20 or 18 of the stories were all in town when we did this. So we have most of the book on these interviews and they're all, I would consider them all really good friends, including my best friend is one of them. And so uh, it's wildly emotional to kind of try to maintain any sense of uh, stoicism about it coming out. Cause it's, it's, it's so personal and so, uh, Beyond like it's really cool and I'm very excited for people to read these stories. It's also just immensely personal to all of us. And these interviews, it's funny just listening to everybody talk about, you know, writing the book, but also that there's a, a group of filmmakers that have gotten together every Thursday night on Zoom since the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, volume one is all members of this Thursday night group. I'll tease it a little bit because it's going to come out right. But volume two is like 90% people on that group. Nice. And then a couple really, really, really fun names that I think people are going to flip for. That's so exciting. Yeah, we're just delighted for you and to see this project come out and that you're so excited over it. And it ended up being really appropriate. It didn't occur to me until I was started taking notes for this episode because we're going to be talking about movie anthologies is in tandem with Haunted Reels. And it didn't occur to me. I was like, well, this is really apt because a movie anthology was our gateway to your work. Oh. Because, you know, in, in our case, we mentioned this way, way back in episode eight, our episode on, you know, all the rustic film projects uh, up to that point, that our gateway, it wasn't resolution, it wasn't spring, it wasn't, you know, our gateway was Bonestorm from VHS Viper. Bonestorm. That, that was our gateway into your work. So. That was a hell of a short. <laughs> I love that so much. And it's fun, too, because... With the VHS that just got announced, two of our authors are also involved in the new VHS. Oh, nice. Yeah. It's just such a fun format. Like when you, the, the, this idea of like, it, it's so hard to put together this complete work, like uh, whether it be a film or a novel. And this, that's where Haunted Reels kind of came from is, you know, there's a whole bunch of authors and writers and filmmakers, storytellers that are in this group and we were all talking about how hard it is to kind of like create anything that's based off of IP or you know as indie filmmakers there's there's really no way to like license IP unless you happen to know Stephen King and he gives I, I think he does let his students uh access to his short stories for free but it's like it's really he hard still does the one dollar thing yeah yeah the one dollar thing which is pretty cool and I know Joe Hill has been really amazing about licensing stuff but it's like really hard to find content that's based off of IP. So we had this idea of reverse engineering IP. Be like, well, what if we just put together a collection of short stories and then your script is based off of it? And it's just nice when it's like, okay, cool. We had a we had a 10-page max, you know, 5,000 words was our goal. Because I wanted, I didn't want it to be an encyclopedia. I wanted it to be like a regular-sized book. Yeah. And we had 31 people that wanted to participate. So I was like, okay. I like did the math. I was like, if I say 10 pages, there's going to be people that ignore me. But that's like a, you know, a good size book. But it's like that's it's it feels more achievable. Doing a segment in an anthology feels more achievable than a full feature. Ironically, as a producer, it's almost the exact same amount of work. So I hate them um, <laughs> <laughs> because like once you get all the paperwork and everything all set up, it's essentially like, you know, you're just doing weekly payroll and weekly stuff. But like everything's set up. Uh, on an anthology, you have to do all of that setup, but like, then it's just for, you know, a couple for days. One tenth or... of the end result, uh, time wise. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yep. So it's it's funny because it ends up being almost as much work. <laughs> but 
yeah, this this was a lot. It, it was a lot of fun to do this collection of stories, which also ended up being more work than I thought it was going to be. I don't know what I thought it was. Gonna be. <laughs> we all put together a book because I have it. And I've read it. We did. Yep. And I don't know if you had the same kind of feeling that I did, where it was like, oh yeah, this would be cool. This would be easy. We'll all just write stories and fucking put it together and be done. And then how hard could it be? <laughs> Famous last words, right? How hard can it be? <laughs> Super hard is the answer. <laughs> well, with ours, we it was kind of like that. We we had the idea, like we put together a small one in our little group. We put, you know, only our our friends were contributing. It was, I think it had eight total stores. Our primer, yeah. We called it our primer because we wanted to see if we could do it. We did it. It was like, well, this was easy. Let's open this up and up to the field. Whole different world. Open the floodgates. I think we got a hundred and fifteen submissions yes and that, that thing about the that we we had said between three thousand and five thousand words and i think maybe 20 of the submissions were between three thousand and five thousand <laughs> words and everything else was just all over the place remember that one we got was like 800 words like what are we supposed to do with this <laughs> yeah <laughs> wasn't bad it was just this is yeah it's good almost it's... a poem maybe yeah uh i actually enjoyed it. two of our authors Gigi saw guerrero and, and gil clavin actually wanted to see how short they could write their story Oh, really? Yeah, that was like a challenge that they gave themselves. Like, part of this was just like, I don't care what you write. I was like, I knew the group that I was putting together. So I was like, I know there's going to be cohesive threads just in, in like knowing the people that were involved. So I, I, I really let everyone, I was like, I don't care what you write. I was like, write what you want to write. That's the point of this whole thing. It's like, this isn't, this isn't for me. Obviously, it's turned into immensely personal for me, but it's like not for me. Uh, it's really for all of these creators that have just had trouble whatever getting certain stories out into the world and so it was funny to see certain people put their own parameters or their own restrictions on themselves it's nice thing with these projects you can set your own boundaries yeah and it was you know people keep coming to me and asking like for volume two they're asking very like because we're putting together now and we have all the authors and everybody's asking me i was like look guys i can't emphasize this enough i don't care I don't care. I'm gonna be, like, <laughs> like I don't say yes to people that I don't think are good storytellers. Like I, I'm more curious what happens when I don't give you any kind of boundaries and like when it's like the gloves are kind of off and it's like, hey, you do literally whatever you want to do. You know, if for some reason it happens to somehow fall outside the scope, I guess we can talk. But like none of the, you know, I think I'm up to. 29 on haunted reels and then in, i think 15 of the next volume have been turned in already and none of them are you know off brand whatever that brand is see that's perfect though especially what you're doing because like, you're trying to get this like writer perspective of these people you normally see in a different aspect so by giving them less boundaries you're getting so much more of who they are in right. this new medium it just it's so appealing and so interesting for volume three you got to give them whiplash and say it's horror haiku <laughs> it, you know it's funny i uh we haven't started kind of crewing up volume three although i imagine it's going to happen immediately when we release this book because that's what happened when we announced volume one i my inbox got flooded <laughs> with people and i was like well i guess i guess we're doing a second volume and i, I reached out to rob at dark matter inc and we had talked about it i was like i think we could probably do this every year like i, I think that i'm gonna have enough friends and enough people are going to hear about this. And especially once it comes out and people see it, it's like, Oh wow. That's like, like, I don't know if you own any of the dark matter books, but Rob said, I got a stack next to me. Yeah. <laughs> right? Rob sent me a bunch and they're like, 
really, really nice. They're like they are. It sounds like a silly thing to say, but they feel good to hold. Mm-hmm. They have a good book feel to them. It's which is a silly thing, but like, oh, makes one hundred percent sense. Yeah, no, I've got um top one here, Ling Hung, which is a book I've praised before by Ai Jung. But yeah, same thing and great cover. I like the the additional merchandise they make available. I'm literally drinking from my Haunted Reels mug. I love that. During this. So I like that they have additional tie-in stuff. It occurred to me, it was like, I put like all the contributors for the book and in my notes, it was like, you know, I could have looked at the mug during this discussion. Yeah. And be like, Let's talk about the story from uh, Sarah Bolger. Yeah. <laughs> I, and I love that. And I, I know that our authors and contributors are, are really excited because it's like, you know, Obviously, there's some names that have been around this business forever that are on the front cover. Some people that are, you know, maybe a little bit more well known. And for some of our contributors that are starting out in their career or, or earlier on, have their names next to people like Gary Sherman and C. Robert Cargill and Jay Baruchel. Mm-hmm. Like it's really special because, you know, I I know I've been watching Gary Sherman movies. I didn't realize I was watching Gary oh. Sherman movies, but like Poltergeist Three, Dead and Buried. Even Vice Squad was one that I caught before I ever got into the movie business. I just discovered Vice Squad a month ago. Oh. And anyone who's listening to this, if you're a fan of Gary Sherman and you don't own the Shout Factory Blu-ray for Vice Squad, please go get it. Because, well, A, then you own Vice Squad. But B, <laughs> there's an interview with Gary Sherman on there and it's like an hour and ten minutes. Along with other people involved in it. But it's it's this very lengthy very in-depth interview and it's not just a, it's about gary's whole career you know leading up to vice squad talks about Deathline, talks about dead and buried you know it's it's fantastic oh Deathline's another one i I thought that i my vice squad's at home i actually i have the dead and buried here in the office oh nice it has a hologram cover on it oh that's awesome nice so what you're saying is you're both big fans of sherman's way ah! <laughs> I'm wearing my Lawson's Way shirt as we discuss this. So I have to pull one of my 15 copies of Sherman's Way off the shelf behind me. Oh, goodness. You're the only one that owns that. Um. <laughs> yeah, it's it's we're so excited for you getting to put together your first anthology. In, but in terms of movie anthologies, we were talking about VHS viral bit a little bit ago. Like, what were some of the, like, cinematic anthology, like, touchstones for you or some that you were particularly partial to? I mean, I, I feel like everybody's, obviously, Tales from Crypt is, is one, but, like, Creepshow is everybody's, right? Like, Creepshow, I feel like, is the one that, like, I don't even know that I knew it was an anthology. Like, I didn't even know what an anthology was the first time that I saw Creepshow. But that's, like, going way, way back. And it's fun because I think that there, there's always been this great history of them, but I, I think that there is a a cool resurgence too, but putting them together in like a, a more, I don't want to say upscale, but like a, a more mainstream kind of like, it's not just like, Oh, this is like some little thing that's done in the corner. It's like, Oh no, there's like VHS every year. It's like a big release for shutter. Southbound was another one. XX. Oh, Southbound. Yeah. Southbound is fucking brilliant. Southbound's fantastic. I made a little top five list for myself when I was doing and Southbound's number one. Yeah. I, it's funny because there's a couple different ways to put together an anthology, but I think the way that Southbound did it with their handoffs was the most effective. Because look, wraparounds kind of suck. <laughs> it, it, it sucks to try to have to figure out how to do them effectively. I think of all of the ones ever that I've ever seen, VHS might be my favorite, the original. Mm. Yeah, the first. Yeah. However, Cargill, well, I told him I was coming on to talk to you guys and. 
you know, it's like, oh yeah, and we're going to talk about anthology movies. And every, anytime you mention movies to him, he's like a true cinephile. And he's like, have you ever seen the monster club? And I was like, no, I haven't. And so then I'm like, well, now I have to watch the monster club. Uh, luckily it was on Tubi. Have any of you seen the monster club? I haven't. No. Oh, oh my goodness. Yes. We've got homework though. <laughs> you are in for a treat. It is this like, 1981 it feels like it's like a holdover from from the 70s (laughs) vincent price plays this dracula-esque character in it who meets a horror author and brings him to this underground club that is just full of all of these different monster types holy shit i have seen this and then from that they go into the different stories that wraparound was pretty fun yeah i haven't seen it but Something I, I did see that brings it up for this episode. I picked up Tales from the Uncanny or Tales of the Uncanny, mm-hmm. the Severin Films documentary that's all about horror anthologies. And it is mentioned in there. And yeah, it's a wild. Uh, there's also like some musical numbers in the middle. It's just like, oh, wow. It is <laughs> fucking bonkers. I'm sold. <laughs> so I have seen this and I didn't know what it was. My brother and I saw this as a kid because we saw it was Vincent Price. And I always remembered him taking a guy into this club with a bunch of monsters. I never knew what it was until right now. I always thought it was some 60s Hammer film that I just hadn't, you know, because I haven't gone back and watched those. No, I I don't have many memories of it other than that the intro of him walking down into the club. Yeah. But I remember watching it with my brother and there's like two cops or drivers that are vampires or something in it. That solves a mystery for me as a kid. That's, that's, oh, wow. So this is a phenomenon I love because everyone I know of has some moment like this where there's some movie they saw in their youth where some five to 40 minute chunk of it just lives rent free in their head and they haven't found it for decades. Yeah. (laughs) I had two movies that in the last five years I've rediscovered from my childhood that were just like, what the hell? Like Taurus Trap lived rent free in my head for God knows how long (laughs) because it is trippy as hell. And when I finally rediscovered it, I was like, Oh shit, this movie was real. And then, (laughs) and then there's a treasure of the four crowns, which it was just like, why does this live in my head and how did it ever exist? And then I located it. And it's just because in my head, I always had this image of this guy having these like two spheres he had to choose from one good and one evil. And he couldn't, didn't know which one it was. So he ended up grabbing both got like split down the middle and like attacking it. It was, it's just one of those things that like when you, and you rediscover it like two, three, four decades later. And it's like the greatest thing in the world (laughs) because like (laughs) you have context again, you can re-experience it. And yes, this was real. And it did happen to me. (laughs) I'm literally, I'm going to try and find treasure of the four. That, that cover art is fucking bonkers. It's insane. (laughs) When I just pulled it up, I was like, what is going on here? It's spinning off of what you said, Nick. It was one of the anthologies I sought out for for prepping for this was one that I hadn't seen in a while. It was one of the first movies that I remember really messed me up as a kid and that I hadn't seen since, which was Cat's Eye. And the only thing I remembered about it was I had some vague visuals in my head about the, the final segment, the segment with the troll. And this thing, you know, coming out of the walls and love it and all this. And it, it, it really, really was terrifying to me as a kid. And I hadn't seen it since. And watching it again now, which was really fun to rewatch. But in terms of like recontextualizing childhood horrors, it was like, this is literally Frank Welker. 
because immediately I recognized the voice. It was like, this is Frank Welker making the Slimer noises from real Ghostbusters. It's all... This great little like demon thing. Oh, I love it so much. It's it's really well executed. Watching it now, it's like they really did a great job with like you know, the perspective stuff and then you know the the way they you know, built the oversized sets and whatnot for it. But like anthology wise, prepping for this episode, I was like, oh, this is apt. Is one of the, my very first memories, probably my first movie memory of of being terrified was that. That's funny. I so Cat's Eyes on my top five list here too. Hmm. You know, my brother and I used to watch it as a kid when we were younger. You know, and it, it because it was Stephen King. It was a horror anthology, but it wasn't that scary. Right. And I was able to get through it. And, you know, as a wussy little kid, that always made me feel like a big guy. I was like, I like horror because I've watched Cat's Eye. And it's still so good. <laughs> and it's funny because you mentioned Creepshow is the other one. And my only memories of Creepshow are basically the inside of my covers. Because <laughs> there was the comic we, we had that was an adaption of it or something. Remember looking at that and then barely being able to read that and then seeing it on screen a little bit and like, nope, mm-mm, absolutely not. See ya. <laughs> and I, I haven't seen it since. I it's one of those classics that I kinda it's like I should watch that. Oh, wait till we do an episode. You should you should rewatch it. It's it's worth a watch. The horror anthology that lasted with me from a childhood was Tales from the Dark Side, the movie. I absolutely loved that movie so much. I rewatched it last night and it it holds up. I did too. Yeah. Wait, all three of us were watching Tales from the Dark Side last night because that yeah. was the other one that Ariel told me about. <laughs> I mean, it's got an amazing cast. You know, it's got K and B doing all of the uh, practical effects, which you know, mwah, you know, Chef's kiss. Dick Smith as right uh, assisting on makeup as well. I was like, holy shit! Christian Slater looks exactly the same as he always does. I know it's great. And so that one, Lot Two Forty Nine, is actually a very important mini in this because it's based off the story from sir arthur conan doyle mm-hmm. who it is the first mummy as a bad guy horror story ever written really oh that's fabulous yeah so it, it's sir arthur conan doyle was the first one to do evil mummies that rise from the dead and, and attack you know as is and and so it, it holds a place in my heart <laughs> yeah those were the two that cargo gave me it was like he was like these are two great i was like i haven't seen either of these so good so good. I've never seen it either. I'll have to, to watch it. Oh, it was a trip rewatching Tales from the Dark Side because it had been so long since. So the very first one we were talking, writing down anthologies, the very first one for me, it, it was like, oh, one of my favorite movies of all time, Quaidon. Yeah. And I rewatched it and but and I'd seen Quaidon several times, but I hadn't seen Tales from the Dark Side, the movie since uh, like high school thereabouts. And I'd forgotten that the Lover's Vow segment the the third one is an adaptation of a story from Quaidon. It's the Snow Woman, the Yuki Onna story. The the and it's that tale, but it's reworked in really interesting ways. I I had it in my head that George Romero wrote the script for the Tales from the Dark Side, and he did the middle segment. But the two around it were done by Michael McDowell, who's I've got like five of his books that I need to get around to reading. I know people gush about the Elementals as being like one of the best horror novels ever written. But he really does rework the Snow Woman fable in interesting ways in that Lover's Vow segment. So it was, yeah, that was a delight rewatching that last night. So happy. I got lucky, too, because my wife watched it with me. She actually really liked it. So I was like, yes, picked a good one. (laughs) I'm going to have to go back and watch some of the older ones, because when when kind of researching this, I was just remembering all the, the more recent ones, like Southbound, Mortuary Collection, VHS. Yeah, Mortuary Collection. 
I love, I, I love, I'm good friends with Ryan Spindell and, uh, we used to have an office in the same kind of creative space as a bunch of people. So I've, I've have been around since the very beginning of that project. Cause you know, babysitter murder, he was doing that when he first moved into the, the space. So to get to see that all come around, he is super fucking talented. It, it, I, yeah. I enjoy his vision. Uh, I, Mortuary Collection and Southbound were, were one, two, two, one. It depended on, you know, the moment I was thinking of. I, I absolutely adored the mortuary. In fact, I was building a model last night and listening to the Mortuary Collection uh, vinyl that I own. Just to oh, nice. get in a headspace for this. I just, I, yeah, I adore that film. All right. Speaking of, you know, favorite horror anthologies, the one that kept coming to my head thinking about today was, and this is funny, Dr. Terror's House of Horrors. It's this like 1970s Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, horror anthology. Donald Sutherland. Yes, <laughs> it's like it, it's. Oh it's yes, fantastic. Oh, it's another Freddie Francis one. Okay. Yes, I, I love it so much. It lives rent free in my head for decades as well because there's just it's it's set in the wraparound is in this train car. You have these five gentlemen and Doctor Terror comes walking into the car and he goes, I'll read your fortunes. And of course, every fortune telling is an anthology tale of like a werewolf or the creeping vine or the vampire. And every fortune ends with death. And I always remember the ending of it. The ending of it is just, I think, perfectly executed where the five of them are like, wait, none of us have a future. We're all five of us in this train car. None of us have a future. They're like, oh crap, the train's going to crash. <laughs> and they're like, <laughs> and one of was like, that's ridiculous. You know, Dr. Terror, who are you? What are you even doing this? He's like, haven't you guessed yet? And then he just disappears. And they're like, oh shit, we're going to die. And they're like, oh no, the train just stopped. Oh, we're good. And they get off the train into like the void. <laughs> it's like, it was their journey oh. to the afterlife and just kind of being taunted by death itself. It's, and it's an amazing cast. And I love that kind of 70s vibe. I, I highly suggest it. And it's free on Tubi with ads, so I'm going to watch it. <laughs> yep. This episode's equal parts plugs for Haunted Reels and Tubi. <laughs> Honestly, Tubi's doing good shit. If you can give me a way, I don't care if I have to watch ads, if you can give me a way where, like, I, like this, where it's, like, a weird fucking movie that I haven't seen or that, like, a friend recommends. I don't know about you, but, like, growing up, I grew up in the age of VHS tapes. Yep. And it was, like, you would pass them around when you found a good one. Yep. And, like... This is the most efficient way of passing around VHS. Yep. Also, they're you know, Tubi is trying to do more on their their originals that I really also appreciate. I didn't even know Tubi had originals. I actually didn't know that. Yeah, that's neat. But I also find Tubi very more forgiving with its licensing options. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh, we get like five hundred of these things. Get it. <laughs> well, yeah, it's because like, look, there, there's especially when you get into older titles, it's like. I'm probably not going to buy that DVD just to watch, especially if friends like you should watch it's fucking weird as shit, which isn't like a glowing <laughs> recommendation. It's like, <laughs> oh. like there's some, there, you know, there's just like, oh, I should watch this because it's weird. I mean, sure, I'll put it on in the office, but like if I can't figure out a way to watch it, you know, like on Tubi where it's like ad free, it's like I'm probably not going to watch it because it's it's probably not anywhere. I'm probably going to have to pull down some collector's edition VHS and I'm not going to also buy a vcr so that i can play it's like any way that you can make it so that it's accessible and creators are still making money on it or whoever owns the license is still making money on it and not torrenting it for free i'm i'm all for it uh, tubi and a few glasses of whiskey is a good night <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so 
that's going to bring up some stuff we'll, we'll talk about later in the episode two that's bringing out of the Chattanooga Film Fest uh, that because one of their red eye screenings was an anthology that Nick just reminded that was also done by Freddie Francis. Which we're, we're going to have to go there next week. It's only about a nine hour drive. I've done that plenty of times. I would love to, but it's I did the virtual one, so we've done it every year for the last three years. The virtual fest and understanding is the tentative plan is at least part of it will be virtual next year as well, right, Dave? Yeah, it'll continue on a hybrid model. I mean, we'll see if it continues in the exact same format. Uh, it was a little difficult to be running a virtual and in-person fest at the same time. Maybe like in-person fest, and then the day the in-person fest stops, the virtual fest starts. We'll see. I did still. But for a lot of reasons, we found that the virtual fest works really, really well for people that maybe can't you know, travel or yeah. for either financial or uh, other restrictions, whatever they happen to be. Uh, some people just don't like to be around other people. I don't understand that because I'm like an extroverted extrovert. (laughs) But uh, yeah, so that will, I I think moving forward, we've always talked about maintaining a hybrid model. And I think honestly, most film festivals should do that. I wish every film festival I went to had their shorts available for me to watch whenever I wanted, because I can't count the number of times I've like woken up at a festival and I have like two hours or 30 minutes before I've, I've got something to do. And I'm like, I really wish I just could watch a couple of the short films because, you know, it's tough to like curation of at least the festivals I go to. They're so good. It's like it's tough to miss a feature to go watch a block of shorts. But I love watching shorts. But it's also usually playing against something else that I want to watch. And so specifically for shorts, I think it's a great opportunity for those filmmakers to get more eyeballs on their stuff. Yeah, it, seriously, I you talking about being an extrovert, extrovert. I'm an introvert, introvert. But it, <laughs> but to that end, like fought, doing it virtually following along in the discord and, you know, getting to watch all these premieres. It was a total blast. And then people randomly drop an MOV of Dave being, you know, battered about the face with a cream slathered, half defrosted <laughs> damn steak. So, which is, and so it's the things I do for art. <laughs> so yeah, it really is. It is the, the, <laughs> I can't encourage enough people to check out Chattanooga. But in switching over to the the Haunted Reels anthology that you're putting together, so you touched on the Zoom calls earlier that sort of inspired this, and, and that all sprang out of the early days of the pandemic, right? Uh, sort of. So it, it's a the idea of it is something that Cargill has done at South by and, and Fantastic Fest, where he'll invite you know at the end of the night he'll you know, we're all friends, he'll invite a couple of us over to his house, and we'll just sit around and we'll drink until like eight o'clock in the morning. There's like a cone of silence around what's talked about. Nobody, you know, it's a chance to like vent if something isn't going your way. Like I won't even give examples because that kind of violates the whole purpose of the <laughs> of the room or, or just talk about, you know, how hard it was to get whatever project you have there made or whatever you're working on currently and why it sucks to be in this business. And we're all dumb. <laughs> but anyway, uh, the virtual side of it stemmed from. Like, it was the thing I was most looking forward to about She Dies Tomorrow premiering at South By was I was like, well, I mean, obviously, obviously, I was looking forward to playing South By. But past, like, actually playing South By, the thing I was looking forward to most was getting to go to Cargill's house one night and just hang out and drink and talk movies and, you know, with whoever happened to be there. And when that got canceled, it was like, I was oh. super sad or when, it, you know, because it was right at the start of the pandemic. I was super sad because obviously I wanted to play. I, I had played South by before, but this was the first rustic film that was going to play South by ever. And so I was really excited about that, but also I was like really excited to see my friend and like hang out. 
And so Justin, Aaron, and I would get on Zooms every day during the like the early stage of the pandemic. We had a daily meeting. We get together and we'd be like, "Let's just figure out what we're going to work on today." And uh, in one of them, Aaron was like, "Hey, we should see if Cargill's cool with us, like." using the porch bear's name and try to like do that virtually. I don't know. Just like get together and just like hang out because we were just like missing people. And this was still early in the pandemic. And then I don't know what we ever thought it was going to be, but uh, very quickly we we're like, Oh, we could do this every week. And it started with like, God, it was the most disorganized thing. It would be like, I was sending people texts, DMS, Facebook messengers and emails. And just like letting everybody know like, Oh, Hey, here's the link, which never changes. It's always the same link. But it's been going, it still goes like we, there were times where I was like, oh, this is going to end because everybody's back in person. Last week, we had 24 people in the room. Oh, that's awesome. Nice. Sometimes it's like two or three people, four people, five, whatever. And then some nights it's like up to 24, but there's 100 of us that are on the mailing list, almost 100 roughly. But it's also a nice way to be like, when a festival comes up, I can be like, hey, here's the people that I know are attending the festival. If you're going to the festival too, and I just haven't clocked it for whatever reason let me know and that way like when we go to like chattanooga there was eight of us that were part of the group that were all there so i was able to like link everybody up so we could hang out a lot of people haven't hung out in real life because we're now it's a global group but also it's like filmmaking in general it's just hard to hang out with people i hang Mm. i hang out with people more at festivals than i do in los angeles even people that live like three miles from me i can imagine no, that's fabulous, though, the, how that all got started. So how did you end up transitioning from that into putting this anthology together? And how did you end up at Dark Matter Press? So it, it was an idea that I just had one day because everybody was everybody was complaining about, you know, this was like summer of 2021. So it was still hard to make indie film. You know, obviously you could make film. There were there were already the provisions in place. But for indie film, it's already such slim margins that it, those additional costs of making sure that everybody was safe were just things that it's like kind of doesn't make sense financially for just indie films like studios and TV shows. It's like, yeah, they have that money to kind of throw around. We didn't. And so everybody was like, oh, should I like turn this script into a novel? Should I turn it into a comic book? And I was just like looking around. There was like 15 of us in the room that night. And I was like looking around. I was a little drunk. <laughs> I was like, we should just do a collection of short stories and then like just publish it. And then I signed off because I was drunk and I was like, I'm, uh, which is kind of like the brilliant part of the group is that like, it's like, you know, you come as often as you want, you stay as long as you want, talk about whatever you want. You know, there's like a natural rhythm to the room that ends up happening. And we don't bring in a lot of people ever at the same time. We kind of like filter people in so you can like learn how the room works because it kind of works organically. And then I didn't talk about it with anyone for like three weeks. Because that's normally how I do it. I just like have an idea. Uh, usually I'll tell Justin and Aaron or my wife, I'll have this idea and I'll just throw it out there. And then they know now that I'll just then sit on it as the idea. Like I verbalize the idea so it's real. But then I sit on it as I think about the practicality of how we do it. And so I like three weeks later, I was sort of maybe a month later, I was one again. And I was like, hey, I don't know who is here, but I like talked about this thing. And everyone, there was like six people that were in there. And they were like, oh, my God, as soon as you left, we we're like, I hope he's serious because like we really <laughs> need to do it. <laughs> and there are a couple of people in the in the group that have been published. Uh, Owen Egerton, obviously Cargill's been published. Izzy Lee's been published a couple of times uh, for her prose work. Izzy Lee has a novella coming up with uh, Dark Matter next yeah. year as well. 
and she was actually our introduction to Dark Matter Press. Because we were, oh, nice. I was like, you know, I reached out to those people that I knew had kind of literature backgrounds or or had kind of forayed into published prose. And I was like, I don't know anything about this, so I'm going to need help. Uh, just give me introductions. And so I talked to a couple places and I talked to Rob Carroll over at Dark Matter. And I was like, here's what we're doing. And he was all about it. He, you know, obviously he knew several of the of the, you know, for lack of a better term, tentpole names. And he was really excited to get to put books out under his label with with those names attached. And so it, it's been a labor of love from all sides, from him, from us getting it together. And he's been, he's been super, super awesome. I told him very early on, I was like, I looked through their covers and they're very good. But I told him, I was like, look, I'm going to bring Justin and Aaron in here when we do the cover design. And it is probably going to take longer than it normally does to land on the cover. And I apologize for that, but I promise you what comes out of it's going to be brilliant. (laughs) And I'm really, really happy with the cover that we landed on. Oh yeah. Ollie Jevons. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh my gosh, it looks fabulous. It's beautiful. And you can get a poster of it at the Dark Matter shop. Yeah, and he had some other concept art that was really cool too. Uh, you know, because he gave us a bunch of comps, and we kind of landed on this one. But it took a minute to get to the final version of this, because you know, I again know how Justin, Aaron, and I work, and, and <laughs> there's a reason our posters look so good, and it's equal parts. We're very fortunate to have distributors who understand early on that we're going to be very passionate about this. But also, uh, you know, the three of us, one of us will always say it's not ready until it's ready. And, you know, because you get to a point where you're like, oh, fine, it's good. It's fine. Whatever. And then one of the three of us will always be like, it's not done yet, guys. And then we'll be like, you're right. I just wanted to be done with it. It wasn't done. <laughs> Which is like different things. And it rotates on like who actually says that. And so it's, uh, you know, he was very fortunate and helped out with that. He also did a lot of heavy lifting because I don't think, you know, we, we knew it was going to be a thing going in, but I don't think any of us realized like most of the people, if they do write that wrote for Haunted Reels, uh, write in screenplay format. Mm-hmm. And that's totally different than prose format, both in tense and format. And so there was, there was probably more editing that needed to happen than some of his other anthology works just because it wasn't prose writers writing it. It was, you know, screenplay writers or people that were used to reading screenplays. So there's a lot of uh, redlining as an editor, probably more than he's used to. That was actually my next question was what it was like putting together this anthology of folks who were in some cases either acclimating to a new medium or it's a medium they probably dabbled in, but it's been a long time and, and, you know, kind of had to, to refresh from there. So I, I was really curious how that went. I think that it was uh, because we're used to getting notes, sending things off to an editor is less scary for us. Also, it's like, because it's also not most people's kind of like, you know, claim to fame. It's like when you get notes back, you're a little less precious about it because you're like, well, yeah, because I'm a director. You know what I mean? It's like, I'm not. (laughs) I I honestly, I think people were, I've been on uh, notes emails with with some of the contributors that were a little bit more precious about notes on their their movies when they were less uh, egregious (laughs) than, than notes on their stories that were maybe a little bit more because, you know, it's again, something they're not familiar with and, there, there are some people like Cargill and Owen Egerton who who write prose all the time and their notes were not very extensive. Mine were super extensive. 
But it was cool because it was also like, here's the notes I have. And I took the ones I wanted and I didn't take the ones I didn't want to. And Rob was also cool with that. He was like, I'm going to give everybody, you know, he asked me early on. He's like, how thorough do we want to be? I was like, let's try to make the best book. But at the same time, know that I'm going to tell everybody if they don't like the note, they don't have to take it. And he's like, absolutely. He's like, that's how we work. And so most everything, I don't, I actually don't know how much of of, uh, the editor notes everybody took. Did that answer the question? I think probably. No, absolutely. And and will you lead into something I wanted to talk? I mean, there's there's so many stories in the anthology and so many contributors. I, I wish we could touch on all of them. But if we're going to just start on a couple, I wanted to ask you about yours and what it was like for you getting back into prose and whether what you can say about that particular story. It was wild. It was uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to do a, a story, to be honest. I was like, I might just curate this. But I also really, really loved writing when I was younger. and so. I was like, I don't know, I'll play around with it. And it was, I, I have a different way of writing because I don't, you know, I'm not usually writing screenplay, so I don't have this fully fleshed out idea. Mine started with a very visual kind of thing that was stuck in my head. And I just wrote that out and then just kept writing. And I was like, I'll just see where this goes. And then quickly I figured out what it was. And then I had to go do, I had to go do a whole bunch of scientific research in order to make my story make sense. Cause it's, it's based yep. on, uh, I wanted it to make sure that because it, it's a it's a more of a sci-fi that the science part of the the sci part of it was accurate to what would really happen in this situation. Because the more accurate that is, the more it holds you in. Yeah, right. It's also it's, you know it's fun to think about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the setup is you know a a group of researchers head off to a faraway planet to try to figure out and. Uh, a rotational orbit of a planet that was irregular. There we go. An irregular rotational planet. And they were trying to figure out why this planet was rotating at an irrational speed because that hmm. shouldn't be happening. And uh, and so they went to go <clears throat> inspect it and then bad things happened. That sounds fantastic to me. <laughs> yeah, it got basically <laughs> And then it was just like, which also wasn't what it started out. It started out as this like very visceral feeling of like, I don't know if you've ever, if anybody spent any time in the desert, I spent quite a bit when I was in the military and like waking up and you wake up and like, there's like pieces of sand in your eye. When you wake up, it kind of like hurts. It like hurts to open your eyes for so many different reasons. And that feeling of opening your eyes and feeling the sand inside your eyelid. Yeah, it was just something that I couldn't get out of my head. And so that's where my story starts. And I was, I had no clue where it was going to go as I started writing it. It went into a crazy, crazy sci-fi thing. That's the fun way to my my first ever published story. I it started. I had read some news article about astronomy that I didn't really understand, but there was something in it that kind of hooked me. And it ended up being this entirely different story. But that was all I had to start writing. Like, well, what if this? And then you just kind of go and you get that little nugget of an idea, and then it becomes something else. And that's to me like kind of the neatest part of the entire process. Just having this sort of unfold as you're, you're working through it. Yeah, no, it was, it was really fun. I, uh, like I said, I enjoyed the process. I don't know that I'll do another one. I know Cargill's planning on doing another story for volume two. He's the only author that I think we're going to hold over, but Porch Pierce is his idea. So I'm going to allow it. Uh. <laughs> no, I'm excited to read the whole thing. And by the time this episode comes out, you'll have had the premiere of it at the Fantasia film festival. And you're going to be doing a reading of it with like, it sounds like half the contributors are basically going to be there, right? Yeah, it's, uh, I think 
the final count is 18 of us are going to be up at Fantasia. Oh, wow. Everybody, we're going to, we're stealing one of Owen Egerton's ideas. They used to do in Austin. It's called One Page Saloon. Uh, everybody's going to read one page out of their story. It'll be a random, whatever, whatever one page they want, whether it's the first page, the last page, any of the middle pages. We may do two because on a book, it's a little bit smaller. And then we're going to have kind of a discussion and we're going to sign some copies of the book and. I'm not going to read a page of my story. I'm actually our, our introduction is was written by Cargill, and it's uh, it's really really kind of emotional. And I'm going to try my best to not cry my way through reading that out loud. Oh, we'll see how I do, but I I fully intend on having to take many breaks. Yeah, <laughs> those readings, that kind of reading is is a lot of fun. I've been to one book launch with that. We we. Our book, Scary Stuff, came out during the pandemic, so we never got to do that. But next thing we do, we'll, we'll have something like that. It's, it's just a good time, especially hearing those, like, the authors read their own stories. Yeah. It's always just, that's, it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, there were some of the authors that are coming up that I wasn't sure if they were going to want to, just because, like, the nature of, like, I know them personally, and they didn't know. It's like, do you want to read, like, like, put yourself out there that publicly? But everybody, everybody was really into it. So all the authors that are going up there are going to read... But again, there's so many of us. I was like, we can't just like read all of our stories. And also, I was like, I didn't want to be like, Cargill, read your whole story. And, you know, some of our bigger names, because I want part of the idea of the book is like elevating some authors and, and filmmakers that maybe haven't gotten their chance in the business yet. So I wanted everybody that wanted to participate to get a chance to participate because it's like, it's cool. You come for the big names and you find some smaller ones that you, you absolutely love. Yep. Yeah. We were, we were kind of said we didn't have big names, but we made an intention of putting as many first time authors into our book as we could. We had one we had one big name. That's true. We did have Phil. Phil Hunter. Well we I also had uh Fastbender. Oh yeah. <laughs> but it wasn't actually Fastbender. Technically we had Michael Fastbender, yeah. Literally a famous name, but not that famous. <laughs> not the famous person, but the famous name. <laughs> Michael Fastbender. I forgot about that. <laughs> Hey, you know. we, we did get a lot of comments about that when people saw yes, the uh, <laughs> table of contents. Michael Fassbender in there? This is Old Growth by Michael Fassbender. That's one of the most exciting things about anthologies for me, like especially for Jake and I. We've mentioned before that we, we were big comic fans. And at the big two growing up, you know, nowadays there's more indie options. But anthologies, that was always everyone's gateway. Was you pick up, you know, someone auditions for the big two. It was like, all right, you're going to get a four-page metamorphose story in outsider secret files yeah and if that goes well you're going to get an eight page and then so on so that's always been kind of the appeal of anthologies is as a gateway to other creators like yeah like we mentioned bone storm was how yeah you know we watched bone storm we said this was fucking fantastic and then looked at what else you guys had and said well poster for spring looks really cool and went from there well i mean it's not it's not controversial for us to say that bone storm was life-changing for us as well you know, we saw that and that led us down the road that ended up essentially to this podcast. That's right. Yeah. So uh, you never underestimate the power of a good short in an anthology. Yeah. No, I mean, I love short form stuff. So I mean, that's my attention span is <laughs> short form stuff. So this was really, you know, it was fun to curate that, especially again with the, with the group of people that I, whatever the step above friendship, but maybe even I chosen family is a good word. Like it's, you know, kind of this group is my chosen family. Yep. That's, that's the best when you can work with your chosen family. Yep. That's the goal, I guess I'd say. Well, it's your, it's your motto is make movie with friends. 
Yeah, I mean, that's it. It's now it's make books with friends, I guess. <laughs> that's lovely. Eventually, it's going to be make money with friends, but we'll ah! get there. Someday, someday. In, okay. my, in my experience, that one doesn't happen, but everything else is pretty good. You know? <laughs> How about make, make rent with friends? There we go. There we go. That's, that's a more reasonable goal. <laughs> well, we're so excited for the book, and you've got a lot of other stuff going on at Fantasia. You've got uh, Aporia screening New Life Tales from the uh, I guess it's Tales from the Aelian Realms is the other book uh, that you're involved in. Yeah, so it, which is fun because Aporia uh, is Jared Moshe's newest film uh, that I EP'd, who's one of the authors in the book. Uh, New Life is a first-time filmmaker, John Rossman, who's fucking amazing. You know, this is a script. Is <clears throat> I became an EP on it because he he pitched me an idea and I I told him I was like that idea is too expensive. Come up with a different one. But he like randomly just reached out to me on social media and we've become friends. And he then went back and wrote the uh, script for New Life. And he's going to be in volume two. Uh, the Aliens one is uh, is really fun. <laughs> Pat Tremblay put together. He did a whole bunch of uh, movie poster art. Really, really fucking good movie poster art using AI. And then he got 50 filmmakers together to write fictitious reviews. Or write reviews on the fictitious movies, but just based off of the artwork. Mm -hmm. Oh, <laughs> in any style that you wanted, and any. So, I, he was still looking for a couple more contributors when he was putting the book together. And Mitch Davis introduced us, and uh, I don't know if he expected us, but we were like, we each want to write one. So Justin has one, Aaron has one, and I have one. Oh, nice. Yeah, a couple other contributors from the book. Gigi Saul Guerrero, Graham Skipper. Uh, yeah, Gary Sherman has uh, also, like, it's the crossover of these books is pretty is pretty immense. Uh, Pat and I were talking about it. I was like, I guess we need to do a book swap now because we hear a lot of authors. It's going to be tough, though, because reading that one, I have to read the whole whole thing. And I didn't change the AI can't make up names. And so I just used the collection of characters that it used on the poster in my review, but I don't know how to pronounce any of them because like <laughs> some of them have numbers in them. So I have to come up with a version of my review where I just spell it out phonetically. Yeah. There's a couple samples of it on Pat Tremblay's website, which has the pre-order link for it, which we'll put it on our social media and we'll put it in the description for this episode. But yeah, so if folks want to see what David's talking about as far as how the, how the text is processed, go to that link and you'll see some samples of it. But David, this has been absolutely fabulous, and it means a lot that you came on and always a good time and spent some time chatting with us today. And sincerely, we can't thank you enough. Oh, thank you. you. Like I said, if you ever want to talk about movies, hit me up. I'm always I I love I love talking about this kind of stuff, and and you all are great. And uh, yeah, I mean, we got to make a six time club, right? Yeah, yeah, clearly. <laughs> it must be done. And we gotta and we gotta get you a jacket. Yeah, so we gotta get to, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll get to work yeah. on that. Yeah, but no, yeah, we've said before, you're welcome absolutely anytime. Dave, thank you so much. Thank you so thank much. Thank you. And if you have any pull with the Clippers to get this Harden trade done, that'd be all right, too. <laughs> <laughs> but I, don't, I don't want that to happen. Oh, come on. He's great. We loved him here. Uh, Yeah, yeah, he's You'll great. You'll enjoy him. He'll be great in California. <laughs> <laughs> what could go wrong? Lots. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, big thanks to Dave Lawson Jr. for coming on. Yay! Thanks, Dave. We love Dave. We love you. We love Dave. Yeah, it's, I said in the opening, you know, we think a lot of Dave, and it and it means an awful lot to us that Dave took the time to come chat with us about this book. Hell yeah. Had a fabulous time talking with him, and 
I don't know if we mentioned the release date specifically in the opening. So for anyone listening to this who hasn't ordered the book, the book's coming out on July 25th. So it'll be out by the time this episode comes out. And if it follows the pattern of previous Dark Matter releases, once the release date hits, it should be available in multiple places, bookshop, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, etc. But you can order all the Dark Matter releases directly from Dark Matter themselves and you know, which is what I'd recommend. You can just go to their website, which is darkmattermagazine.shop. Just go there and there's a link for books. Click that and you'll see an entry for Haunted Reels. In fact, right now they've got a banner for it up. But like I mentioned before in the chat with Dave, it's, you know, I'm definitely a big fan of Dark Matter. You know, we're not a video podcast, but Jake and Nick can attest I'm holding up a big stack of their books. Absolutely. Can confirm. Like Dave said, they feel really nice, but, you know, I've, Mentioned before, Ling Hong by Ai Jung, which I've read by them is great. They have Root Work by Tracy Cross. Human Monsters, that's the one I can't find. I've got my copy of Human Monsters somewhere, but that was one of their anthologies. Appropriately enough, one of the anthologies they did, which was edited by Sadie Hartman, who everyone probably knows as Mother Horror and was also co-edited with Ashley Sawyers. They have another anthology called Monsters Futures, which was edited by Alex Woodrow. And Alex is awesome. Alex also edited the Insomnio anthology the gothic fiction one that we've brought up in the past. They've got a lot of cool books coming up that I'm really excited about. But one in particular I wanted to mention is they've got a book coming up called Other Minds by Elian Bui. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. I'm going on the pronunciation from a Clark's World story. Elian's written a lot of short fiction. I've read a story that she did called Hunger from Weird Horror that I really, really dug. But Other Minds, it's two novellas. One's called Carrier and one's called Signal Slash Tracer. But the one called Carrier is a space horror one. And as I mentioned before, I'm a real sucker for space horror. Hell yeah. They've got another book coming out called Frostbite from Angela Sylvain, which looks like it's a throwback to like the 90s horror vibe. And it has these alien invasion elements as a really fun cover. So yeah, again, Dark Matter ain't paying us for this episode. <laughs> Just I sincerely, the stuff I've read from them, their anthologies are great. Ling Hung's great. And all the books they've got coming up sound really, really nifty. One of them we mentioned is, as far as the contributors to the book, Izzy Lee, who has a story in Haunted Reels. Izzy Lee has a novella called I Can See Your Lies coming out from Dark Matter, but that's in February of next year. But the pre-order link for it is up now if you want to pre-order it. You know, I'm 90% certain they have rejected a submission of mine to their magazine before. Quite possibly, <laughs> yeah. The magazine's been going for a while. Actually, I think they just announced they're wrapping up the magazine. The latest one, I think, is the last. Yeah. And I think they're just leaning into the prints because the, the book wing, Dark Matter Inc., I think is relatively new. I think Ling Hung was their first release or could have been the Sadie Hartman anthology. I can't quite remember. Just going off the top of my head. Sorry, I didn't mean to shit on them or anything. I just it occurred to me I was looking at their site while we were talking here and and I, I've been here before and, and I'm pretty sure I submitted my, my first ever published the story that was eventually published in Lovecraftiana to them initially and, and got it rejected. You should still buy their books. I plan to. And have. <laughs> Glad you waited until after we talked to Dave to look that up. <laughs> Every time Dark Matter got name dropped on to David. <laughs> well, no, it's because you mentioned Clark's World, and I know they rejected me several times. Okay. <laughs> so I, was, I remember you submitting to Clark's World. I remember you mentioning that one. Yeah. So. Look, like that's the story of being any kind of writer is, is getting rejections by the barrel full. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't let it discourage you. Oh yeah. All this is just in jest. What what you do 
is you start your own publishing company and then you start rejecting <laughs> other people. And then you start to feel bad about each individual one you reject. And then, uh, nope. you, so you, you kind of nope. empathize a little bit more. I'm sorry. I got, I got no sympathy. I mean, sorry. I have sympathy. I just have no. Some of them might listen to the pod, Nick. Shut up. <laughs> no, it's, it's, the, the key is when you're presented with 118 choices and you need to choose 20, everything we got was fantastic. We got great fiction. I mean, okay, so a hundred of it was great fiction. <laughs> but the point of the matter is, is that if you get rejected for submitting to a book, it's not because your stuff was crap. It's not even because they didn't like it. It's because there was just one more, unfortunately, was just ahead of you and just had that one extra thing that fit that specific book you were looking to do, with a specific vibe or theme. You know, so being rejected shouldn't be thought of so negatively it just means you keep trying and maybe just maybe that same story just the way it is really hits the, the right groove with the next book you try for you know so i'm not shitting on anybody with rejections i'm just letting them know you know what next train's yours good luck yeah related to that for anyone who's listening to this who hasn't listened to our back catalog it's is i think it's been a little while since we mentioned it but jake and nick they edited an anthology look up the scary stuff anthology wherever you get your books and been a couple of years now, but yeah, it still sells. It's one of the proudest things I've ever done. And, and, you know, I, I talking, you know, we talked about it in the conversation with Dave is that a lot of these folks, you know, they're film producers and everything, but they haven't been published. This will be a new thing for them. And it's always exciting. And I'm sure, you know, despite them being, you know, these professional artists, it's, it's a different feeling. And then you get that book in your hand and it's, it's cool. It's cool. Yeah, I'd run down the contributors list, but there's so many folks. So like I mentioned at the top, you can just go to Dark Matters website and you can see it's really well laid out. They've got the cover up top and then they've got the full list of contributors with photos and whatnot. So you can go see everybody there. But again, highly encourage everyone to go pick up a copy of Haunted Reels. It is going to be a very good fall for anthologies in general, because coming up, well, I'll start with one that was just announced that was absolutely amazing, which was out there screaming and it's being edited by jordan peele which Ooh. is coming out and it's coming out october the third and you've got tanana reeve do and k jameson who i'm sure everyone knows from the broken earth trilogy like i've said in our chat with dave we're comics fans if you read comics and k jameson did the far sector mini for dc natal hopkinson who's an author i love i really loved midnight robber and now Hopkinson also did House of Whispers for DC a couple of years ago as part of the Sandman reboot. L.D. Lewis, Aaron E. Adams, just a staggering amount of talent in this book. And it's coming up quick. Like I said, it's coming up October 3rd. So that was just a really holy shit moment on social media this week, seeing that announcement. So that anthology is called Out There Screaming. That's coming October 3rd. October 10th, there's an anthology coming out that is celebrating 100 years of Weird Tales magazine that's being edited by Jonathan Mayberry. So mentioning that because, way well, it's Weird Tales. But also one of the contributors to that is Haley Piper, who we've had on the pod Yay! before. Uh, who we were lucky enough to have join us for our discussion of Dream Warriors. Haley's the best. Oh, Haley's phenomenal. Yeah, Haley, and Haley is, if you go looking for horror anthologies, you'll see a lot of work from Haley recently. And the stories are all fabulous. So yeah, Haley's just turning out some absolutely stellar short fiction and stellar longer fiction as well. Uh, her weird Western cruel angels past sundown isn't quite out as of this recording, but that should be up by the time this comes out. And I'm very, very much looking forward to that. 
and then A Light Most Hateful will be out in the fall. And the other anthology I wanted to mention real quick for something to look forward to is also in October. So again, three big ones all in October. There's one that was just recently announced called Christmas and Other Horrors, which is coming out October 24th. This one's edited by Alan Datlow, who I'm sure everybody knows who's edited many, 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 many anthologies. But table of contents for this, Tanana Revdu again. If I didn't mention before, everyone should go pre-order Tanana Revdu's upcoming novel, The Reformatory. Uh, Cassandra Kaw, who's an author I absolutely love, Richard Cadry. Those two authors have a book coming out this fall that they co-wrote called The Dead Take the A-Train. Almakatsu, Stephen Graham Jones, Ben Percy. Definitely some stuff to keep on everybody's radar. And once you get through all of those, I would suggest a few that are still available on Amazon. Like we mentioned, Scary Stuff, which is the one that we put out. There's another one called Plague of Shadows, a Written Remains anthology, which oh, yeah, a story yeah. in. That's a fun one. Uh, yeah, beach Pulp, amazing story set in Rehoboth, Bethany, Cape Man, and all these other Delaware beaches. But I have a story in that, too, and we know a bunch of people in that. So if you're just browsing around on Amazon, you just want to wanna find some stuff by your third favorite podcast host. Uh, I've got some stuff up there. <laughs> Don't take my fucking spot, Jake. <laughs> you are clearly number one, Eric. Stop arguing. <laughs> In speaking time, yes. <laughs> There's also another one that you can get on Amazon called The Stories In Between, a Between Books Anthology. Oh, That's yeah, yeah. yeah. By uh, an old friend of ours and a longtime supporter. Yeah. Greg Shower. Greg Shower, who owns a... a bookstore called between books or i guess it's between books 2.0 now i believe we we're just talking about jonathan mayberry who's editing the weird tales anthology i think jonathan mayberry's in that if i recall correctly i believe so yeah uh, he certainly made we met jonathan mayberry at greg's store between books many times so yeah he's also he's uh, one in an anthology I used to like called the new dead which is a lot of fun from years and years ago but oh that was a really good one mike carey had a story in that i remember i really dug yeah. That was that was a quality anthology. Anyway, these are just ones that have been passing. I look. I love anthologies. I love horror anthologies because you get so many different authors, and you get all these. You know, I like short stories. I'm a short story writer because I'm too lazy to write more than one novel, and <laughs> I just I like the format. I like it in film. There's just something about giving somebody a little whack, you know. And here's like, you know, you get 15 minutes. Let's see what you got, and then you see some real talent come through. And especially in a lot of these print anthologies, where it's there's never an anthology you're going to hate. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the best thing about anthologies is you, you're never going to hate the anthology. You might not like every story, but there's going to be something in there that you enjoy. There's always some nuggets of gold. Yeah, so I, I highly recommend, especially the ones I'm in, again. But, uh, <laughs> but It sounds less shilly when you do it, which is impressive, because you just ran down a list of books you're in. <laughs> When I say it, it sounds awful. So. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It does when, it sounds, when you say it, it sounds like it's a labor of love and all these things you're genuinely enthusiastic about. When I say it, I sound like I'm about to sell him a Buick. He's not so. wrong. He's not <laughs> wrong. And not even, I'm not even nice about it. I'm just insulting the car you drove in on. You know, and that's how I, that's my... We'll have to update our merch page on our scarystuffpodcast.com website where we have the various merch links so we plug it in so when you click that link is browse it for a few seconds a wave file plays see something you like (laughs) (laughs) just have jake record audio when you mouse over the various links what can i do to put this book in your cart today (laughs) (laughs) hey we do conventions that's usually nick's job at conventions by the time they get to me it's just signing stuff 
It's just me being loud. If it started with me, they're at another table in five minutes. I don't know if I'm getting people's attention or scaring them off, but you know, I just like I get up there with my cane and my hat, and I and I be I be the loud barker that I am. And if I've happened to make one extra sale because of it, so be it. <laughs> yeah, we we take a, an aggressive approach to selling our wares. Love us, <laughs> love me. <laughs> <laughs> And love Haunted Reels, the new release from Dark Matter Inc. Curated by David Lawson Jr. Hey. Look, this anthology is going to be so good. I just can't wait. Oh, God, yes. I, I think I'm more excited for this book than any movie coming out this year, so. That's fair. Actually, I lied. I am going to plug one more anthology that I forgot. You um, son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I, I just now looking over my notes. Hold, hold it up again, because that cover is banging. Yeah, so I got a bunch I wanted to mention, but this one in particular I, I wanted to call out, which is What Draws Us Near. Ooh. Oh, that's cool. Pretty. This anthology was put out by the Little Ghosts bookstore, and hopefully you follow them. They're a, a genre-centric bookstore in Canada. And we were just run by some fabulous folks and they feature a lot of fabulous authors. We've ordered stuff from them before. They do ship to the U.S. This particular anthology is one that was put together and it sold, I believe it sold exclusively through them. And it's another one that's got a lot of familiar names in it. It's Haley Piper, who we were talking about, has a story in here called There Is No Cult. This Is No Classic. Uh, AC Wise, David Demchuk. I Jung has a story. Uh, Eric LaRocca, who's... His new novel's doing great. So, yeah. So, just uh, one in particular I wanted to shout out as far as, you know, it's a small bookstore, independent bookstore, putting out their own anthology, similar to what Jake was just talking about with the Greg Shire anthology from his store Between Books. So, that was an apt one to bring up. And also, you know, like I said, it's support a, a really terrific indie bookstore. So, that would be a good one to pick up. And they've never rejected me. So, you know, clean. So, they got that going. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I yeah, like I said, I I love anthologies, so I just think people ought to buy them all the time. Hell yeah! I I don't have anything deeper than that. Now I'm just thinking about cool books. Hey, Night Shift, Night Shift by Stephen King, one of my favorite anthologies ever. Yeah, it's funny. We were one of the things I was kicking around was possibly using the Night Shift anthology to shift us into our episode that was going to follow this, but instead, it sounds like we're going to be doing something hopefully a little bit different than that. I think we're going to be doing something that is somewhat related to the topic we're going over today, but a little bit of a different medium. But we'll go over that in the next episode. We'll keep an eye on our social media. We'll be announcing that. Speaking of social media, you can follow us on various social media platforms. We're on Twitter at Scary Stuff Pod. We're on Instagram at Scary Stuff Podcast. And if it makes it quicker, you can just go to our link tree. We just updated that. So that's just the username Scary Stuff on Linktree. That's got a link to our various socials. It's got a link to our new Blue Sky profile. Uh, we're on Blue Sky. It, hopefully that's still around by the time this episode comes out. The social media landscape is ever shifting. But you can go there. You can find our letterbox page there. We've got a link there for movies we reviewed and all the various pod platforms we're on. So, yeah. And if you follow my author page on Amazon, it's <laughs> amazon.com slash stores slash author slash B07H7TS647. So, you know. Did you get all that? <laughs> I'm a fancy string of fucking numbers. You should fix that. <laughs> I don't even know if you can. I forgot I even had this thing. Anyway. Actually, related to, to what you just mentioned, if for any of these things we've talked about, if folks read them and you like them, obviously go leave them a review on yes. whatever your preferred platform is. Amazon, you know, all that stuff helps. Please. Boost visibility and whatnot. 
sure the authors would appreciate it. I know Jake and Nick would appreciate it. If it's always nice. Scary Stuff Anthology and leave it a positive review. Love me! <laughs> and yeah, if you enjoyed this episode, then you're going to leave us a review uh, wherever you get your pods or whatever your preferred pod platform is. But mainly, as always, just really appreciate you taking the time to listen. It means a lot to us. Unless you hate us. Keep that shit to yourself. <laughs> There's enough negativity in this world. (laughs) (laughs) But no, but hopefully this has been a a very positive discussion. I've certainly had a lot of fun. And again, can't thank Dave enough for his time. Absolutely. Everyone go check out Haunted Reels. Also, if you want to support the folks at Rustic in general, you can just go to, mentioned it before, rustic.film slash shop. Where they have their own merch page with, you know, various... Was that rustic.film slash shop? Rustic.film slash shop. All right. And they've got shirts, bugs. They've got an I Want to Ascend poster that I've got hanging on the wall behind me. Uh, Right now, you can get signed Blu-ray copies of The Endless, which I've actually got mine sitting up here. So we picked one of those up. Hopefully, they are not out of these by the time this comes out. Because based on their social media pics, it looks like they sold a bunch already. But right now, they're still selling them. So hopefully, they still have some more. I recommend the Rose Croutons t-shirt because I love it. And it's now like tops in my most inscrutable t-shirt in my collection. And I, I love it. I love it so much. Yeah. They've got great merch. Go support them. And again, thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this pod. We really appreciate it. So on behalf of co-host Nick Leamy and co-host B0787TS647, I want to say thank you so much for listening to this episode. And- Signing off. <laughs> this is Nick channeling Tales of Dark Side when he says, You promised me you'd never tell. Uh, this is B07H7TS647 <laughs> saying, Have a good night, everybody. <laughs> good night, everybody. <laughs>